Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. And we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Allison Evanoff. So first, let me thank you, Allison, for joining us and sharing your story and your experiences in our industry and your thoughts and ideas on where we are and where we're going. Great. Thank you, Christy, for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. It's it's awesome way to start off my weekend. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm really excited to have you because I, I very much admire uh, what you've created in terms of your brand and your portfolio, but I, I really love your brands. Um, so I would love for you to just speak a little bit more about yourself. And this could be your childhood, your education, um, how you found what you're doing now, and anything that makes you, you, outlines your personality. Wow, that's, um, I've never been really probably asked that much about to talk about me. I'm always so used to talking about, you know, just the business side. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess just as a, you know, who I am is I, I just am this kind of person that loves to live life in a very kind of easygoing way. I, I, uh, I grew up in a wonderful family, super loving environment, um, you know, did lots of things together, skied together, played tennis together, traveled together, all these things and, you know, very fortunate life. And, um, and I would say too, that um, my mom, was a big influence on me. She it was of that generation where they really didn't work career-wise for very long. Once they got married, they had kids yeah. and things yeah. like that, even though she had a college degree and was a Latin teacher right out of college. But one of the things that did has impacted me as a human being, but particularly as a woman over the, the years, was that she always said, you know, my generation was not a working mom generation, but I think I was ahead of my time, meaning I was born too, too early, right? And she always <laughs> said, you and your sister, uh, and I have a brother too, but she was speaking specifically at the moment of the, of, of the two women, the two girls, as she said, you know, you really should just go for whatever you want to do do it, live your own life, be independent, make your own living, you know, just so that way you always have options and you always have choices. Yeah. And yeah. so that has had a huge impact on me, not just from a business perspective, but in general, it's just trying to be super independent, not relying on other people so that I always have choices in my own path. That was really, um, yeah, well ahead of her time. I, I most, most of that generation, the MRS degree generation. Yes. Um, they went to college because they had a brain and they could, but not because they planned on having a career. They were sent to college by their parents to find a man. That is actually quite true in my mother's case. She was married a year after college. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily raised that way, but it was a similar case where I happened to meet my husband while I was in college and we happened to get married right afterwards, but I went to college for the degree. I just happened to meet a guy that I actually liked. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of weird, but yeah, I, I'm kind of an MRS degree too. <laughs> Even though, obviously, I'm not really, you know, just 
aligned to being a wife and mother. But it was it's it's fascinating how uh, the female journey has evolved over the years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Your mom is a genius. I like her. She's pretty cool. I love her. She's amazing. She's been a great, great supporter of mine in life and in business and everything. So I feel, you know, really lucky that she uh, was so pushing me to do, you know, to go for things that I wanted to go for and not just settle. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that is definitely a rare jewel from that generation. Um, Because there were so many women that, you know, started putting cracks in that glass ceiling for the rest of us, for the generations to come. And mm-hmm. there were so many that were just okay with the status quo. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I really admire the women that stepped into that role of, I'm going to change this. It's, it's fascinating because it was not easy for them. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there was a certain, a certain uh, desire, perhaps, that she had that kind of wished she had been born a little later because she knew she had the brain power and the drive and the desire to do more things. But just generationally, it was part of how, you know, they lived back then. It was very, especially if you're not in a big city, I think, you know, we were in, you know, smallish town, Virginia. And so I just think that that was the norm, right? I can't really think of too many of my parents' friends where the wife worked uh even with college degrees and and things like that it just wasn't what you did and so i i always say to her now that you know i said you were born too early you would have been an amazing <clears throat> entrepreneur if you've been born yeah. you know 20 years later so um yeah <laughs> yeah and well and plus i think there was a, a, there was a stigma put against working women back yes. then too because Absolutely. they were choosing something for themselves over their family and they were kind of like shutting off that like first responsibility. And, and that's not fair, Yeah. but I, it's an evolution in our thought process. Um, so it's, it's just fascinating though. I'm, I, cause I was raised by a stay at home mother uh, of that generation and she had a college degree, but she didn't go to work until I was in junior high. And not that she couldn't, but that she didn't want to. She was supposed to be a homemaker. And she did. She made the home. Well, Um, there's something to be said for that even today. You know, I think it is very hard for those of us who are working moms, who are parents, um, and balancing, you know, to, to, you know, whether you're a single mom or whether you're a dual working uh, household, I think it's challenging to do all of it. And Oh, um, yes. So there, there are definitely days where I, I say, okay, I know I always used to confess that I'm not a stay-at-home mom type in the sense that um, I just would go stir-crazy. It's, it's, I would love it, but I would go stir-crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like this kind of 50-50 love-hate type of thing. But now part of this is kind of thinking, hmm, you know, there's something to be said for only having one thing to focus on, so to speak, instead of two, you know? <laughs> well, and to be, to your point, it's, yeah, your focus is streamlined to all of the things that happen in the house, but that's a lot. I mean, typically in our jobs, we don't have to focus on as many details in our work life, because we have colleagues for that, that we do in our home life. 
Right. So there's a lot more to keep the family going if you don't have to also leave and tackle a job and then add to it. So it's definitely, I can see the struggle on both sides. Maternity leave taught me everything that I needed to know about myself <laughs> because <laughs> I was so not cut out for this. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't wait to get back from maternity leave. I felt like it was an absolute punishment for my fertility. And I was just like, I admire these women that choose to stay and do this full time because I never could. Right. And so right. part of me is like jealous that they have oh, that yeah. capacity because I'm lacking it. And so it was, it, it became acutely familiar to me that this is what I was not meant to do. And that's okay. But I still felt like I was like, mm, they're going to, they're better moms than I am. <laughs> so like, that was, <laughs> I <know> right? <laughs> yeah. That working mom guilt is like a real thing. It, it affects us mentally. And we think, oh gosh, what am I doing? Am I making the wrong choice? Am I truly just being selfish by working? But if I figure at the end of the day, if, if what I do fulfills me and makes me happier then I'm a better mom because nobody wants an angry sad mom they want a right. happy one exactly so and I, this I is how you. I get this is how I'm a happy mom right <laughs> so I love that we're having this conversation because I think that it's societally now we almost punish the stay-at-home moms and that's not fair either we've just turned the tables we've reversed it yeah. And when are we just societally going to stop shaming women for their choices? <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> on on right? all levels, right? On all levels. Absolutely. And that yeah. goes back again to where it goes back to, again, my mom's mantra, which is, you know, you make all of your own decisions. You be independent, mm -hmm. make your choices. You take, you know, take into consideration things that people who you love, who are around you, whether it's your family you know, or your close friends who want to give advice or, you know, input, whatever. Great. But at yeah. the end of the day, you know, you've got to make the decisions and live with your choices. And um, so, yeah, Absolutely. that's kind of been, uh, that's really led me both personally and business wise, big time business wise to just kind of keep forging my path and, you know, with my business as an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. You were very blessed for sure. Um so I'm curious because you have that, that stability, that baseline of how you became a very empowered mompreneur, right? Right. <laughs> um, as much as I love and hate that term at the same time, I'm like so confused. Like, wow, I really feel about it. But we are, if we're entrepreneurs and we're mothers, we're mompreneurs. Um, so how did you discover your inspiration I mean square one vodkas and I know you have a lot of SKUs and brands in your portfolio but they're they're great products and they're definitely I would say like the leading in the category right of organic vodkas you're definitely a leader well um, yeah we did when I started the company in I guess August next month it'll be 16 years since I started the company and wow we were the first all organic spirits company. There were maybe some independent brands out there that were organic in a portfolio of other products, you know, mm -hmm. or they imported a brand from somewhere that was organic. But as far as somebody, you know, literally putting their little stake in the ground and saying, 
everything I do, we are going to get it certified organic or we're not going to do it. We were really the first company to do that. And um, so that was, yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like that was birthing another another baby not only because it was a business which is a baby in and of itself but like really truly pioneering a new category and and you did way you know and I'm so glad that a woman did it that's that's the most impressive part like you came out of this thought process and created something that wasn't truly in existence you built a category that puts you heads or tails above everybody else that's thinking about what do I do next, right? And what do I develop? Um, and I'm very curious about that story. Like, how did you come to that? It, it was a confluence of factors, I think. You know, they, they always say things just kind of hit you at a certain time based on what's happening in your world at that moment. And yeah, my, um, you know, I, I had trouble having kids, a lot of trouble. And so we went through five years of everything under the planet medically to finally have Mm. children. And so I have twin boys. And so I had them, you know, later in life. Mm -hmm. And but I knew as we kind of already started the beginning of the conversation, I knew my that I just needed to work in some capacity. I I just Mm -hmm. knew that despite what I'd gone through to have children, I was very grateful and felt very blessed to have them just, you know, yeah. despite all the barriers. But I knew that I, I really needed to go do something else. But I didn't know what that looked like. Because you're a new mom, you've got kids, you now it's not about you getting up and showering and going to work and coming home whenever you want to get home. And you know, either you or your husband decides who's fixing dinner, and it's only about you too, right? So that yeah. was a lot harder. And what ended up happening was they were my twins were six months old. And I was at that point now where I said, okay, it's kind of time to start putting my toe back in the water. And again, didn't know what that looked like. And I had been observing the San Francisco cocktail scene and really seeing that it was interesting right at that time, this craft cocktail movement was starting to really explode. Mm -hmm. This is back in 2004 and not at the consumer level so much, but at the trade level. And I came from a wine and spirits background. So I was already attuned to the trade and I follow restaurants and chefs and things like that. I'm very into that whole scene. Mm -hmm. And I saw that in New York, the New York revival was really more built around old school cocktails coming back, whether it's the Manhattans Mm -hmm. and the Gibsons and the Sazeracs and the old fashions and the Martinez's and, you know, all those corpse survivors and all that stuff. Whereas in San Francisco, where I lived, uh, I lived in Marin County right across from the Golden Gate Bridge. They, they were using fresh organic produce. They were going to the farmer's market at the ferry building on Tuesdays and on Saturdays and buying all these really Mm -hmm. cool organic ingredients and, putting them in their cocktails, just like a chef would have a special of the day. And I remember thinking, you know, just randomly, I was flipping through one of the food magazines at night and and lying in bed, literally saw an ad for a natural, and I'm using air quotes as I say natural, because it's a very misused word. It um, is. a, A natural vodka. And I remember thinking, you know, the whole food movement has gone so organic. Everybody's worrying about where their products are coming from, where the sourcing is, whether they're local, whether they're clean, you know, authentic ingredients. But how come in some of the spirits categories, the the products are so far from authentic, it's not even funny. They're not, not only yeah. not organic, they're fake. 
And so my brain immediately yeah, synthetic. Went, yeah. And my brain immediately went to the vodka category, which up until then, with few exceptions, there were a few players already on the market that were using maybe not organic, but they were using real ingredients. But mm-hmm. that's literally like 0.5% of the players. And everybody yeah. else was still using synthetic artificial flavors and colors mm-hmm. and adding tons of sugar and additives. And so that was really kind of why I thought, wow, there's a big opportunity to, to in a category that is deservedly much maligned for its not so authentic approach to making spirits. There's an opportunity for not just organic, but for real, you know, botanical ingredients and things like that. Yeah. And, and I remember, you know, I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, you have six month old twin boys at home. You cannot start a company, right? You yeah. Can't. You just Oh, can't. my God. And, and no, because you're in the throes of it. Right. <laughs> like, and you have to do everything for those humans exactly. to sustain life. Yes. And I remember waking up the next day after my brain wouldn't turn off trying to go to bed and saying something to my husband and he looked at me and he said, that is such a good idea. And you know that somebody's going to do it. And if you don't do it, you're going to hate yourself for not doing it. I think you need to do it. And that was again, August, 2004. And we launched our first product in April, 2006. So I like to say that I had Irish triplets because I had twins plus the third that came right behind it, which was square one. (laughs) Yeah. And I've often, I I use that analogy quite often. Um, I was speaking to um, my local Weeby conference group on branding and marketing. And I was like, when you start a company, it's like having a baby. Yeah. At first you do everything, you get nothing back. You give, you give, you give, (laughs) you keep it alive until it becomes a toddler and you start to get some kind of emotional rewards back. Like it starts to do some things on its own, but not really too much. But once you have a kid and you've grown it, then you get that return and it does a lot on its own and you get to sit back and enjoy it a little bit more. Right. Because you're not in the day-to-day details trying to keep it alive. Right. And that is what starting a business is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. One big giant child challenge. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it, I feel like it takes a little bit longer, too, than the conventional child side. Because, you know, the newborn years are just a nightmare with <laughs> actual humans. But you survive and you learn so much, not only about yourself, but about what you're doing and what your potential could be. So, and that's, that's really rewarding. And it takes some time to get to that point, but the rewards just start building on themselves over time. And I, I got to compliment your husband because that's fantastic because he had such insight. Huge, (laughs) huge supporter of the whole concept and of me doing it, right? And, uh, you know, the, the thing we always joke is that he's, he was the one with the day job that had to keep the bills being paid while I, yeah. you know, used up some of our savings and then some, uh, you know, getting yeah. this company off the ground. And, but I think what was also going back again to the beginning of the conversation, the, the kind of mom part of it, which, uh, you know, I was a conscious decision of mine when starting this company, which is, I know, I knew then, and it's still true today, 16 years later, that I have never worked so hard in my life 
And I, you know, there are weekends where I do, I don't own my weekend. It's still business or whatever. But at the end of the day, I get to set my own schedule. And so if I needed to take one of my kids to the doctor or I needed to go to a soccer game or I needed to go, you know, it was, they were on spring, spring break or, you know, in Bay area when we had ski week in February, it was like, you know what, we're going to Tahoe. Right. And so it was so great to be able to dictate my own schedule, regardless of how many hours I was working. I got, I didn't have to go to a boss saying, Hey, can I please take, you know, two hours off to take my kid to the doctor. Right. So for me, that was a big mental relief that I could be the mom I needed to be in the most important moments and and sure, you know, when they're in either daycare, we, you know, or something like that, they're, they're happy to be with other kids and play and friends, they don't need to be with mom yeah. and dad the whole time. Uh, so it kind of really worked out for me very, very well on the business and the personal side. Thanks to my husband as well. And, yeah. his, you know, tremendous support of the whole yeah. concept. No, that's a, that's a huge thing. And I think that that is what holds a lot of entrepreneurs back is the ability to manage both. Yes. Because sometimes it simply is not possible. Either you don't have the support system or you don't have the resources, you don't have the time, whatever it is. Um, But it should never be that you don't trust yourself and trust your ideas to know that they're valuable and you clearly had that and you had the support system telling you that too, to reinforce it because as, as all entrepreneurs can attest, there are those moments of doubt where you're like, God, I I am so crappy at this. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh my God. Like, What have I done? What have (laughs) I gotten myself into? I feel like I'm too deep to dig myself out. So I might as well just keep digging until I reach the other side. That's exactly true. I never would have put it in those words, but I'm going to steal that because you're, that is what I've been doing for 16 years. You know, you hit the little wall and you're like, what am I going to do? And you say, I can't get out. I'm in too deep. I'll keep digging. You're absolutely right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And we hit those all the time. And usually they're unforeseen because if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, your chances are you're also very type A and you plan the plan A, and then you've got your contingency plans through Z1X. (laughs) And when you just keep going and you keep going through that list of contingency plans. And I firmly believe that the reason people stop is either time or resources. So when I hit a block, I always ask myself, well, what are you not willing to dedicate, Christy? Like, are you, are you not willing to dedicate more time or are you not willing to dedicate more money? Which is it? Because you need to figure this out. You can't just stop and throw your hands up in the air. Not what we do. Right? Who are you setting an example for? Because I've got two young boys. They're younger than yours and not twins. So another reason I admire you, twins. I can't imagine. I probably would have eaten a gun. Um, (laughs) But I'm like, okay, I'm setting an example for these boys. Not to be threatened by women that just kind of own their shit, so to speak, you know, just go out there and do the things that they think should be done. And so if you're working on creating that uh, role model experience for your children, you can't just give up when you hit that wall. You have to keep digging. Yeah. Just get a bigger shovel, whatever it is that's required. You just, you figure it out. And I, and I love being a woman because I feel like that is, I'm already a built-in, you know, uh, figure it outer. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's coin that term. I'm a figure it outer. But we're already so good at multitasking, right? Because, yeah. you know, yeah, we're able to do the things that seem impossible to 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 so many. And, and quite honestly, they are until you figure out a creative way around the impossible. Um, but that is that that's that's an incredible story. I, I love that you did this when you had six month old twins. I don't know if I could see the forest through the trees when my boys, each of them were six months old. It's just so incredible that you were able to just do this. It's fascinating to me. Um, Again, it was easier than going back to work for somebody else. Right. So yeah, it was a lot of work, but it just was so great to be able to do it on my own time and my own schedule, you know, at all times. So there's, yeah. there's a big trade-off there, but it was a really positive one for me. Yeah. So if you weren't doing this and money wasn't an issue and you could live anywhere in the world, including buying your own private island and private jet to get there, <laughs> what would you do with your time? Uh, at the end of the day, I am just absolutely fascinated by other cultures. Mm. And for me... If I don't, and this is why COVID is killing me right now, because we were supposed to go to Spain this month. Um, And I I lived there for five years. So I was going back to see old friends and introduce my kids to my friends from when I was there working in my 20s. And that would have been great. Uh, So that wasn't so much a discovery trip for me because it was where I used to live. It was more introducing my family to, you know, through my eyes. Your personal history. Right. Yeah. And I think if we can't take an international trip every year, I feel unfulfilled. And I just feel, I know there's some amazing places in this country and I've been to most of the amazing places in this country as well. But I just, I don't know what it is that just fills me up as a human when I go to other cultures and I see how they live and I see how they eat and I see how they interact and what they do for fun. And it just... I think to me, it just pulls me out of my, um, uh, I want to say my myopic view of, you know, my life. Yeah. And so if, you know, again, if I, if I didn't have to worry about work or money or anything, I'm not saying I would just travel the whole time and do nothing. I obviously am a very big proponent as well of, of supporting my community and doing other things for other people. But in that extra time, I would definitely be traveling everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to hit a few bucket list places that I haven't gotten to yet. Oh, I know. My uh, I'm 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 very similar in that mindset. Like I exp- I love to explore the world. I love to introduce my children to the world. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to grow up in their little bubble um of our neighborhood, which is great, but I want them to understand that there is an entire world to experience. And I like to experience the world personally, gastronomically. Same here. Because I feel like you learn more about the people and the culture by eating and drinking their, you know, keynote cuisines. It's just, this is how you experience life outside of your bubble. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So that resonates with me because yeah, we, we used to do the same thing. We would, travel we've traveled all the time around the country around the world but um yeah COVID has kind of shut that down for a bit and that's unfortunate because now my boys are like when are we getting on a plane again this is ridiculous (laughs) it's been forever since we've had a vacation I'm like it's been four months 
like, yeah, that's like a record. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I, get and it. I always, you know, I, I kind of look at it as, you know, I'm so, so privileged, so lucky. And, uh, you know, I've worked hard for what I have. My husband's worked hard for what we have, but, but we're just still so, so much luckier than, than so many other people. And so I, you yeah. know, every time either I or my kids want to have a pity party that we can't go anywhere, I'm just like, you know what, that is absolutely nothing compared to probably what other people are having to go through. So I just kind of turn my brain back off and have my three second pity party. And then it's back to, you know, doing what we've got to do to get through and yeah. help everybody else get through what's going on. Oh, yeah. Because so many and that when I get down, I try to remind myself that, you know, it could be so much worse. Oh, yeah. And I don't I don't even know how much worse it could be. Yeah. Um, and I try to always remind myself of that so that I don't, you know, spend too much time in self-pity because that's not productive. No, um, no. And it doesn't help anybody. But yeah, this whole situation is definitely unique for all of us. Um, but that that makes me think of um, something that I always like to ask. I like um, my guests to demonstrate a time or an experience in their life that was very negative. Um, not a happy story, but that something that they did or something that they learned from it that makes them look back on a positive. So do you have a, a, an experience you can share that you would feel comfortable sharing um, where it was either a negative time or a negative situation that now looking back on it, what brought you through it or what you learned from it has turned it into a positive. Yeah, I mean, that's actually, I know you're going to not believe me, but that's a, a, a hard question for me because I, I don't know if it's just the way I am or if I really have been that lucky, but I have had very few incredibly negative situations. I just really, I, I just don't feel like I have. And so you know, for me, they're not so much personal uh, as much as they are um, business setbacks or mm -hmm. which still end up being personal when it's your own company. Right. But, uh, you know, or challenges with your family when you want things to happen and they don't happen the same way, but nothing that's drama, drama. So I I've been very yeah. fortunate that I have not had a lot of negative or dramatic experiences. But what no, I know that is fortunate. It's incredibly fortunate. And that's because, you know, I, I've been asked this type of question before and I still struggle to come up with something meaningful. You know, when you, you watch, you watch the shows, whether it's the, you know, the singing contests and those things, and you've got these kids who come on and they have these truly dramatic stories. Yeah. Very and, sad stories. And you're just, I'm just sitting there going, I can't even imagine that. How lucky have I been, you know, and I just have. And so I, I'm, I, I almost feel guilty saying that, to be perfectly honest. But I've had, I just haven't had anything that's been life altering for me other than the fact that I, and now I probably will start to tear up. Thank you very much, Christy. Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> is, that, that's okay, <laughs> is that I didn't think I was going to be able to have kids. Yeah. That, that was hard. Yeah. That was hard. Yeah. But and I know that just that like with business, really hard. I just kept saying, you know, the doctors kept saying, yeah, your percentages are getting lower and lower the older you get. Right. And, 
and I just kept saying, no, you know, I'm going to keep a positive attitude. I'm going to keep fighting and Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep going through whatever I've got to go through to get to the other side. So the irony of you talking about the digging your hole and can't get out, I just kind of kept digging, kept digging. And, you know, that was probably the most negative situation, but it wasn't, you know, to me, nobody hurt me. It was just a very emotionally difficult thing to face that we wanted children very badly, but we, I didn't Mm -hmm. think I was going to. And so that, you know, I think just the ongoing fight was so important and it, it is every, it, it's the way I live my life. It's the way I run my business. I have some days where I'm just in the absolute bottom of the barrel thinking, you know, I need Mm -hmm. to just be done with this and sell the company. And I don't, who am I to think I can get myself out of this hole and you know, somebody big company just copied my concept and they've got more money than me and oh, woe is me or whatever. But then I just turn around and I just keep fighting. And I just, I feel like a little bit of the going through the child uh, bearing experience or trying to have children was, is part of, you know, my, my yeah. reason to keep fighting. No, that's actually, that's a really beautiful story. And thank you for being so vulnerable to share it because we all know women if, if we haven't faced it ourselves, that that is a, a, an experience. And not only does it alter you, but it can alter your, your relationship. Yeah. It changes yeah. so much and it adds so much pressure and stress. And I am friends with women that have gone through multiple rounds of fertility treatments and, and been told it's just never going to happen. Yeah. And they just kept going. Because it was that important. And that's, I mean, that's a a parallel we can draw to entrepreneurialism too, is because you're, we're being told all the time, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Something always, you know, it's either like the environment is telling us this or the bank is telling us this or whoever it is, we're hearing, you can't do it. But when you're not willing to receive that as your truth is when you find it. And you just, you keep going or you give up, but giving up, you always leave that. What if I just tried more? And I really, really admire your perseverance because in something that's so highly personal and such a struggle that's out of your control to keep going, to, to reach your goal and to get to that place where you're happy and you can look back on it and you'd be like, you know what? That taught me a few things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If I can handle that, I can handle pretty much anything. And there are always those circumstances in our lives where we've reached the point where we just don't see a way around or out of it. So then we have that choice. Do I quit? Do I throw in the towel or do I just go internal and think my way around it? And that's the difference between entrepreneurs and, and people that create concepts that are successful and those who can't, because it is hard and there's not a lot of reward in keeping going sometimes. I mean, it's so dark. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that. That was, um, that was really a vulnerable thing for you to answer. And I am so grateful for you, for your honesty, because I think that that'll help people who listen and hear, you know, what you went through. Yeah. 
Well, thank you. I, uh, you know, I don't think it was a, it, that negative. I, again, I think of the other people who have had truly, you know, true emotional baggage, you know, thrust upon them by others or in their lives. And I haven't had that, but that was in more an internal emotional baggage. And um, yeah. so I, I feel lucky that I've got, got through it and I've got yeah. some awesome 16 year old twin boys who can, can now beat me on the tennis court. <laughs> Well, and you shouldn't discount it because that is a, that is a very, very hard time for someone to go through. Yeah. Um, yeah. So never discount that because that is the adversity you overcame and that's valuable Yeah. because that's created a lot of your character too, for how you move through things that are difficult because no challenge. Yeah, exactly. And because no challenge you will face will ever come close to that. Most likely. Yeah. No, I agree. At least not that's going to impact my life, you know, negatively. So. Exactly. But do you have um, like any, any regrets or anything that you would go back and change? It doesn't sound like you do, but you know, On anything a, that taught you something? No, I mean, the only, I guess in the end, I got the, I got the, the results I wanted with the, on the yeah. kid side, on the child side, but I did start a little late because I was so worried as a woman. Uh, I, I was a vice president at age, I think 33, 34, something like that. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, one of the few women at my level, uh, in, in a couple of the organizations that I had been in prior to starting square one, and so I remember having a, making a very conscious decision that I need to get to X goal before I can start a family because I know corporate America is going to interrupt my career when I stop, yeah. when I have a family. And so I literally did set this goal for myself of, you know, get to a vice president level at whatever company um, before you start a family. And um, I wish I hadn't quite... I wish I had been willing to trust that my own skill set was strong enough that I could overcome the challenges that women face when they do have children in the middle of their career and take, you know, some attorney leave and time off. But I didn't, I didn't trust it. And so that would be one regret. It would just have been nicer to be a little bit younger. And I probably wouldn't have had the problems I had, you know, by starting, if I had started a little earlier. Um, having mm -hmm. said that, my husband and I both say we love being older parents because we were already kind of well on our way in life when we had kids. And um, it was maybe less of a struggle because we yeah. were already further along in our careers and our financial stability and things like that. So, you know, I am very, very, very much a silver lining person. I, mm -hmm. I always find a silver lining to the negatives. Um, so even though there's a mini regret there, the silver lining is I actually, you know, like being older <laughs> and having already yeah. traveled all around the world before I had kids and things like that. <laughs> That's a great answer because I, 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 and I can relate to that very well because I felt the same way. Like I knew if I ever had kids and even into my mid thirties, I still didn't want children. Um, I knew that if I ever did get pregnant, I would have to have my master's finished first. 
So that was like a personal box I wanted to check. I wanted to be an MBA. And so I did that from 30 to 31, finished it and didn't, didn't, wasn't successful getting pregnant. Um, But my oldest boy was a total accident. And I was like, well, I always said zero or two. So I guess I'm (laughs) pulling the trigger on number two, if that can happen. But I honestly didn't know if it would. And number one was very hard to come by and showed up. And then number two was much easier. It was weird like that. You're somehow my fertility was renewed. I don't know. With number two. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is perfect. They're being born in the summer where I'm not traveling as much and I can take the time for maternity leave. But I knew I had to be okay with having my my career plateau for a bit. Right. Because that is what happens to women. When men have children and families, their career doesn't plateau. Correct. Exactly. When women do, and that's why people are afraid to hire women in their prime childbearing years, because they're afraid of maternity leave. And I'm like, that's six to eight weeks. Come on. We're in the U.S. <laughs> we're not in Germany where you get two years. Okay. <laughs> right. This is ridiculous. Like, don't discount a woman because chances are, if she's capable of being a mother and an employee, she can do it all anyway. Yeah, that is so true. That is absolutely true. (laughs) Right? So your story in so many ways resonates and with me and I can relate to it. And I'm sure it will for the listeners too, because this is the thing that those of us that are doing all of the things We need to share that all of the things aren't necessarily easy. It doesn't come to us as a gift in a box, neatly packaged and ready to open. We have to work for it. We have to struggle and overcome adversity to get to it, to open that box. Um, And I I love that you're sharing how you had these, these goals in mind and you had everything like laid out in your little trajectory and then life threw you curveballs, and then you had to overcome those too. Right. I think that's that's a that's a very inspiring story that absolutely should always be told, because that way people never feel like they're alone. That's the thing. When I hear you. other people have similar stories, I'm like, phew, great. It's not just me, you know. Yeah. Because sometimes you're like, am I on this little island all by myself, struggling with all of these things? And when I hear other people, and it's not just women, you know, men, men or whatever, people of different parts of our society, whether they have, you know, male, female, or certain, you know, sexual orientation challenges or racial challenges or the things that everybody's gone through in their life around society, you know, just knowing that other people are going through similar things, I think sometimes just helps you. I think that's what's going on right now with COVID, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I think for a lot of people, We're all, we all want to be like, oh my God, my business, I'm getting killed. And we are, we're all getting killed on our business, right? But (laughs) I kind of go, but so is so-and-so and so is so-and-so and so is so-and-so. And and we're all in this together and we're all suffering together. And it's all, you know, we all have to find a way to get out of it together. And some are going to do better than others, but there's this weird emotional feeling of, well, it's not just me. So you are not allowed to have a pity party. You have got to just keep fighting because everybody else around you is fighting as well. And I, I find this kind of strange comfort in that. I mean, obviously not in all of the 
horrible things that are happening because of the pandemic. But I mean, just the emotional part of sharing the same struggles with other people at the same time, it almost kind of feels like it makes it easier to feel like you're not doing enough because you know that everybody else is fighting the same fight. Yeah. There's that solidarity in the, in the, in the issue. Yeah. 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 It's, I love that you bring that up because it is something that like we're all struggling in different ways and we're all hurting in different ways. And Sometimes it's really hard to just stay positive. And I'm, I'm a very Susie Sunshine kind of person. <laughs> My husband calls me party Pollyanna because I'm always willing to like throw a party for no freaking reason. I just really like togetherness and people and having fun. And sometimes I go into a very dark emotional place as we all do. And I try to remember that for me... I am not as disadvantaged as so many others. And I try to always pull myself out of my funk, my mental funk. Yes. By reminding myself that the only thing working against you is that you're a woman. And that's not that big of a thing. So stop wallowing in your little, oh, I'm a short (laughs) woman. Ah." No, it's not a thing. So, you know, it's not that big of a thing. And that's the important part of this is that we have to remember what we do have. And that's so hard, no matter who you are, no matter what your life looks like to the outside viewer, you all, we all have our personal struggles on the inside, inside our four walls. We are real, even if we're not projecting that. And I think it's hard for people to remember that, that no matter how easy your life seems from the outside, you're struggling with something. Yeah. 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 And that's what that that's what makes us human, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we're all just kind of fighting our own fight every day, right? In a good way. <laughs> yeah. In a good way. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Thank God I don't have to like, you know, this isn't the zombie apocalypse. I don't have to wield an axe or anything. <laughs> um that was a digression for sure. Um, what would you, you've, you've, you've taught so much already. You've talked about so much. You've shared so many personal details about your life and I'm truly appreciative for your generosity. Um, but what would you want people to know about you? Like a stranger walks up to you on the street you don't know what they want, but what would you want them to know about you? You know, I think for me, as a person, uh, again, on the personal side, on the business side, it's always important for me, for anybody who I get to know, to know that the most, the most important things for me as a human being are truth, sincerity, authenticity, you know, just, just letting me live my life, letting you live your life you know, very basic. I, I, I have very basic needs and I expect very basic things out of other people. And the older mm-hmm. I get, the more it's important to me that people treat other people with human dignity. And we're all very different and we all have different views. And, 
you know, I certainly have judged people before when I probably shouldn't have. And it's just kind of ingrained. And all of a sudden you catch yourself. You're like, what am I doing judging that person? They're doing what they want to do or whatever. And so I guess for me, just it's just one of those things that's important. Truth and honesty as a person is so important to me. And it's the way I've run my life. It's the way I've run my business. I, I kind of the running joke is I may be struggling financially to keep my business afloat, but by God, I'm going to pay my bills. Right. Um, because, yeah. Because that's part of my honesty. Right. Um, I, I'm mm-hmm. never going to cheat anybody or do anything like that. And so I don't know, just as a human, that's just important to me. I don't think it makes me any different than any other people, but uh, in today's society, uh, I feel like there's a lot of negativity and I try mm-hmm. really hard to be a positive person and live, live and let live. And I would just want people to know, you know, that's kind of how I am and who I am. And, and, uh, you know, and hopefully drink some square one organic vodka, right? (laughs) Right. No, I, that's a, that's a great answer because it's, it shows who you are at the core. Yeah. And it's hard. It's funny. One of the things too is, and I don't know if you've found this with your business, you, you become so consumed with your own business because you're selling all the time, right? Every day you're doing something because you're trying to move the needle. And it's really hard to pull your own self out of your business, which is why at mm-hmm. the beginning, you know, when you asked the, you know, the first question and I thought, well, I have to ask, answer this on a personal level. I'm so used to talking just about the business, right? And so yeah. um, that is interesting that, you know, this whole conversation has been very only peripherally about my business. And I've had to talk mm-hmm. about myself, which is not usually what I do. So it's, yeah, it's been very fascinating <laughs> departure from from the norm. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I know the scariest thing I've ever done is get up on a stage in front of strangers and talk about why I'm awesome as part of a pitch contest. Because I can I can speak to a room full of strangers, no problem, about a topic. But the second I have to talk about myself to a room full of strangers, it is terrifying. Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I am that typical person and business owner who really prefers to be behind the scenes, right? I mean, I didn't have a picture of me on our business website until six months ago. And we're- Oh my God. Yeah. And it was only because everybody said, you know, people think you're a phantom. You kind of, your name will maybe be on the about story, but it doesn't have a picture of you. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want my face to be out there. I don't need for my face to be out there because I don't like talking about myself. I like talking about my brand, but in in the business, but I don't need to be the look at me, look at me, look what I did kind of person. So I totally can, I can see you on that stage right now because I would be the same way. Let, give me a topic to talk about. I'm fine. Don't let me talk about myself or I'll start shaking in my boots, right? terrifying. (laughs) Oh, literally my legs were shaking the whole time. I could barely walk. I was cursing the footwear <laughs> as if it was the footwear's fault. It was my fault. I couldn't control my body from shaking. Oh, that's so funny. It was crazy. I was actually sitting next to Heather Cox from Certify oh, My yeah. Company. She's awesome. Yeah. She's so, so she awesome. went right before me and she was super polished. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to win. There's no way. I'm not. I can't follow that. I have to follow the best one so far. Like she was number 19 of the day and I was number 20. <laughs> And I was like, shit, I can't follow number 19 at all. And of course she made it to the next round and I didn't because it was my first time and it was horrible. 
I, I, but I proved something to myself that I could do it because yeah. I was terrified. Yeah. But I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, I'm not up there talking about marketing strategy and cultural integration and branding. I'm not talking about the things that I'm comfortable talking about. I was up there talking about me. Yeah. And why and, and shamelessly self-promoting. And that's not something that comes naturally to most people. So I think people can understand that. It's just terrifying. <laughs> Especially, there were like 300 people in the room. Oh, yeah. All strangers. Oh, boy. And I'm like, it's <laughs> awful. Um, so I love that you said that about what people should know about you because that is, that is the core of our human character, right? Right. It's just, it, it may look so seamless from the outside, but in order to engage me on a very authentic level, you need to know who I am, right? Yes. So that's why I asked that question because it's very hard to answer. It is. Um, it is really hard because again, it's a talking about me but also it's very broad so it makes you forces you to really think about it you know um uh -huh. so yeah you you have yeah. your questions were great because they were really hard <laughs> oh well thank you I appreciate that I, I I gotta admit I was a former newspaper reporter so I'm used to asking hard questions <laughs> but, but it's fun that I because this whole podcast is built on the idea of exploring the person behind the name or the person behind the brand um, to provide inspiration because by sharing our personal stories and journeys, we're shedding a light on what we do now and why. And I think that is the most important thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, I love the format. I love the, the platform, I should say. Well, thank you. So uh, if people want to learn more from you, about you, how do you want people to reach out to you? Because I'll put your links in the bio too, but go ahead and shout it out. Yeah, I mean, obviously anybody, if on the professional slash personal level wants to reach me, it's just, you know, my name, Allison Evanaugh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I do every now and then write some articles on there as well. So you can follow, you know, some of my musings, mostly on the spirits business. Uh, and then our, our business website is squareoneorganicspirits.com. And our Instagram is at squareoneorganicspirits. And of course, on Facebook, we're, we go way back to when we only had one product of vodka. So our, our Facebook name is simply Square One Organic Vodka. Okay, Awesome. I'll be sure to link all of that so people can reach you and learn more about the products. And for those that don't know, she not only, Allison not only has an amazing base of organic vodka, but she has these incredible flavors. And I've got the bergamot at home and I love using it. Oh, good. It is beautiful product. Yeah. It's, it lends itself to everything. It's, it can kind of go in a lot. People think if they look at it at first, they're thinking, oh, it's just a citrus slash orange vodka until they taste it and they can see that it can go in a lot of different directions. And you could be a yeah. cocktail nerd and really still use it in a lot of nerdy cocktails with Amaro's and cherry mm -hmm. and all this, you know, cool stuff. Or if you're a very easy person, you put it in a pomegranate Cosmo or with tonic and it's just as delicious. So you're right. I, I love the Bergamot. I feel like it's my it's my chameleon of the portfolio. Well, it truly is. Bergamot as 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 an item is so much more diverse than orange. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. So much. Yeah. And yeah. And I've used it in my jello shots when I have house parties. Oh, I've funny. used it in recipes. I've used it in infusions. I've used it in multiple capacities because it really has a lot more depth and character than a conventional orange flavored vodka. Exactly. Because that would be your competitive flavor profile set, right? It's orange. Right, right. And people don't know what bergamot is. No, but... that's the one challenge. I mean, and it's interesting because while, of course, the primary citrus is bergamot, that's why we called it that, it also has mandarin, navel, tangerine, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, juniper, ginger, and coriander. So it, nice. it has a lot more going on than just orange. But you're right, even within orange citrus, Bergamot is the most complex citrus that you can mm-hmm. use, and it's just got a lot of you know deep character notes to it. In fact, the one thing that a lot of people don't know about what's everybody thinks bergamot's main claim to fame is being Earl Grey tea, right? Black tea and the peel oh, of bergamot okay. oranges makes Earl Grey tea. So most people, if they know bergamot outside of their cosmetics, um, their their dish or hand soap or whatever um they know it as mm-hmm. earl gray tea but 85 percent of the world's perfumes are based on bergamot and interesting yes, i didn't know that. yeah it's fascinating and i knew this only because my distiller who i was developing all this with used to be in the aroma organic aromatherapy business you know 25 years ago and he had developed a whole line of organic perfumes and aromatherapies and what's interesting about the bergamot is and you only can use the peel because the juice is so overpowering you can't use it yeah and so it has the five qualities that they seek out in perfumery which is grassy notes floral notes citrus notes um woody notes and i think the last one there's a word for it and i can't remember but i i call it like piquant almost that like spicy you know how garlic if you eat it mm-hmm. raw is really spicy um, yes, it's the same thing. Like if you were to bite it, it's not just bitter. It's like spicy, bitter, the peel. And that's what they yeah. want in perfumes because it anchors all the other botanicals used in natural perfumes because of all the different qualities. It will go in a different direction if you put more, you know, musk or sandalwood or whatever in your perfume than if you put rose and lavender in your perfume. And so it's the same thing in spirits is that it kind of likes to act as the center and depending on what's around it, it changes the flavor profile. So it's, it's really kind of cool. No, it's, I love that you're using it too, because you recognize its unique characteristics and qualities for the points of differentiation. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it is spicy. Um, it's it, that peel is just fantastic yeah. but I feel like you can almost on the nose of it you get that that oiliness from the skin almost on the nose and the, uh, that's incredible to me oh because... definitely definitely because we don't we also that's the one product that we don't filter so that one's unfiltered ah. and so what that means is that in fact when it comes off the blending line when we're blending in all the botanicals to the base spirit um it's and it goes in the bottle it's white it's absolutely as white as milk and it needs about six weeks to sit so that it will integrate uh, literally at a molecular level with the alcohol in the water because what happens is when you put in these we do all individual botanical distillates of each one of our botanicals so they're highly concentrated essences that we extract 
under vacuum pressure uh, from each one of the botanicals, whether it's a citrus peel, whether it's a basil leaf, or whether it's a cucumber or whatever. And so in the case of the citruses, they are oily. I mean, it's interesting that you use the word oily because they are heavy. And so when yeah. you blend them in, they don't want to marry with the molecules of water and alcohol. Yeah. And so you have mm-hmm. to let it rest. And even then, it's still a little hazy. And that's because we didn't filter it out. And it gives all that great aroma and flavor yeah. because of that. Oh, yeah. No, it's truly, out of all of your things, I love your whole line. But that one is my favorite, for sure. I think it's my little unsung hero in the portfolio. People just think, ah, it's citrus. And then the people like you try it, they're like, oh, but it's more than that. (laughs) It's so much more. I think if if you operate a restaurant and you've got an orange vodka, kill it on your back bar and bring in the bergamot from square one because it will change the character and caliber of every cocktail. Even if it's just a vodka tonic, it will change everything. It's just a beautiful thing. So you should be very proud of it because I'm a, I'm a consumer as well as, you know, an industry member. And I just, I just think it's spectacular, but you know, little plug. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Allison, for giving me your time, sharing your personal story, opening your heart and your life experiences to the podcast. And I'm very, very grateful. Thank you. Well, so am I. I appreciate you being willing to talk to me and pull me out of my comfort zone and make me talk about myself. <laughs> I have. Well, to you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's a, it's, you know, it's a cathartic process, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream.